This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm Gabby Barr, and I am joined by Mr. Greg Crumpton. Greg, how are you today? Good morning, Gabby. I'm doing. Yeah, I had to look. It is still morning, so. I'm, I, but I'm doing. <laughs> I'm doing really well. Um, it's been a crazy busy week all of a sudden, and it's what Tuesday, and I feel like it's like Thursday night because of all the. I had a lot of travel yesterday and did some really fun stuff. But uh, looking forward to today, I, w- I was uh, looking at my calendar last night, thinking how how good today was going to be. And excited to welcome our guest and and learn some more uh, about what he's got going on. So looking forward to this. Awesome. Well, today's guest is Derek Cameron. He is the owner of 3805 Productions, as well as the host of Inside the Trades podcast. Derek, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Gabby. Very nice to talk to you, Greg. Very nice to meet you as well. And, uh, I, I hear you on that weird space-time vortex when you've got a crazy busy week and you you, you figure you're ready for like that Thursday, uh, thirsty Thursday kind of wind down. <laughs> you're like, nope, Tuesday morning, I got a long slog ahead of me. So I uh, try to make this as easy on you and, and, and as enjoyable as possible today. Well, I, I don't think that's going to be difficult. And, uh, you know, I think the the older I get, the more I appreciate those moments because you know, I've got a lot of friends who, quite honestly, they seem a little lethargic in what they do every day. And I'm like, really? I, I mean, I've, I've got stuff bubbling over and, you know, I'm going and doing. And I look at these guys and gals and they're on the sidelines going, yeah, uh, I think I'll just watch pickleball and not play it. So I don't know. <laughs> it, it's fun to be busy. So. Derek, you and I became uh, acquainted uh, just through uh, skilled trades talking and podcasting. And, um, you know, I, I guess it's the new norm as we were talking, you know, off mic while ago. So tell us a little bit about 3805 and, and what you've got going and how the trades thing kind of came into your uh, on your radar screen there. What do you how does how do you know that happen? So I'll dial it back a little bit because I think it provides a little bit more of a context. So <clears throat> about 2000 in, or I don't know, 2005, I made the switch over. I was in corporate life for early, way, way back when, and I made the switch over to higher education back in 2005. And I was doing graduate admissions. Then I went over and I was doing career center. I was in a career, couple of career centers till 2019, uh, Boston college and Northeastern university. So education was a really big thing. I, I, I felt like maybe it's just cause I was trying to atone for being a horrible student when I went to college. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, so I, I, I was on, I was, I was on campuses for the better part of 13 years and, um, Back in 2019, um, where I was, it just wasn't a great fit. And then we had also had our second daughter and it just seemed 
obviously completely impractical, but it, it seemed like it was a good place to, to, to segue out and to look for new opportunities. So throughout that time, I tried to, I, I found that I just wanted to go back to my roots. I, I went to school, I was an English major, but I wanted to go to school for film. And uh, back in 2019, found a drone at my in-laws house. I was playing with it and, and it was a lot of fun. And I started looking at, you know, it's kind of planted the, planted the seed of like, what can you do with this? So started really looking into it. So then a year later in 2019, when I was looking for new opportunities, uh, I got back into the drone, got back into the drone thing and went and got my licensures, picked up a couple of drones, crashed them. And then I, I ended up getting a quality one. And then I started really putting together a plan on hanging my shingle. That shingle hung in March of 2020. So it created a bunch of a lot of left and right turns and a lot of pivots. So getting more current last year, um, I had started working with my co-host, Matt, and he had his own business foundry and I had my media business and I was doing video production. I was doing photography. I was doing drone site progression for construction and so throughout this time, I just got more and more involved in construction projects and construction initiatives. And where I found that I was most interested is getting the footage of the people that were working. And I just filed that away because that's where I found like, you know, to, to quote Marie Kondo, that's, that's what sparked joy. So Matt and I were figuring out, you know, we, we, we saw that there was a lot of overlap. He wanted to help small businesses. And I, and we had talked about, you know, maybe the trades is where your best avenue is because I think this is an industry that really needs a lot of help on running on business management. Matt comes from a finance and, and um, banking background and, and corporate strategy background. So he was able to weave that piece of it in and I was able to take the media piece of that. And I'd always wanted to do a podcast, but for like this is going back years. And I, uh, I dropped that one on him. I'm like, we should do a podcast on this one. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. So we started inside the trades. It was really more as a business centric podcast to help business owners run their operations better. And then somewhere around May, we got contacted by skills USA or from front door and they had heard the show and they really liked what we had to say. And they had invited us to skills USA. And I didn't know anything about skills USA at the time. And I, I'm, okay saying that now. So we thought it was a scam. We thought we were getting set up. We're like, who's front door? So very quickly, we were enlightened on all of this. Turned out to be one of the greatest things we could have ever done. So we went down there and we were like, we're making a complete shift. We're going from the business side to the talent side. And because as we were talking on, you know, guests and people on the show, it always comes up to like, how do you find talent? How do you like find help? How are people getting into this to be able to stock the workforce? So we just did a hard pivot, leaned right into that. And best decision we could have ever made because it just opened up the doors to meet some incredible people over the last year, yourself included. And I, I, I could not be more Grateful, honored, impressed, excited, uh, everything um, for the people that we've, uh, we've connected with through LinkedIn and our guests and just the extended network that we've been able to, to connect with. So apologies for kind of a, a long road to there, but I, I wanted to bring it up just to, to tie everything together. So here we are.
Well, I, I mean, that's a heck of a journey. And, you know, like a lot of companies and people and, and entities, uh, when, when the old pandemic rolled around, you, you have to do what you have to do. Yeah. Uh, as far as a business strategy, uh, as far as a family, whatever, uh, you adapt, adjust, and overcome. If I can quote my hero, Clint Eastwood and Heartbreak Rich. And um, it's really, it's almost like one of those God moments when you realize, wow, this is what we should have been doing anyway. And it just takes a moment for that to kind of, uh, kind of sink in. And then when you guys saw that vision, it's like, boom, you know, off we go. Um, I'm so glad you did that. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time personally and work-wise um, promoting and trying to create awareness more than anything. I don't, I don't do hiring, you know, that's not, people ask me, well, are you hiring? I don't really do hiring. You know, I try to fill the talent pool with people that can be hired, not necessarily hire Sally or Bob. Um, so I, it's just really fun to me to be able to see the reach of, of what's going on growing, you know, what you're doing. I got a note from a, a guy, uh, Ty Wilson, who I've recently grown to know through uh, skill point, you know, I'm, I'm, there's so many people out there that are trying to solve the equation. And, um, you know, I guess my part is, for me, what I'm trying to do is help just build those synapses between these operations and these entities uh, to fill the void, to make a connection so that people just have more and more resources so they can share what this trades world is all about. You know, there, there's so many opportunities. I'm going to grab a book real quick. Sure thing. So I just got this yesterday. Um, I haven't read it yet men without work. And this is a, an updated book that talks about the amount of people sitting on the sidelines yeah. that we don't count in, in our unemployment number. So really interested to dig into that. I learned about that through micro uh, and um, what's the Duke's name? The finance guy uh, out of Nashville. Um, boom. Yellow. Dave. Ramsey. So yes. last week, Ramsey and uh, Mike Rowe did this live event. It was on 830 at night. Uh, they did a live streaming event. And uh, this Everstat book was one of the references they used. So I'm looking forward to digging into that with the, the ambition of learning how to reach this crowd who's on the sideline. So anyway kind of a random thing, but it, it hit me and it seemed like an appropriate thing at the moment. But. No, it really does. And, and, you know, to, to tie in what you were saying, I, I don't come from a skilled trades background. I mean, I was, I was in higher ed for a number of years. I was in advertising and then I worked for um, a business information company for a few years. And so I don't have that traditional trades background whatsoever. Through my media business, I've gotten a lot closer to it and I've become a lot more impassioned about it. Uh, Matt, same thing. I mean, he's been in a corporate finance background. He's, he's, a, he's an Ivy League MBA guy. And, you know, we knew going into this that we did not have the bona fides to say, hey, we have the answers for you. So all we could do is just 
offer ourselves as vessels to find the people that do have some more answers. And it's like a breadcrumb trail where you just send your feelers out and you just keep walking and, you know, you, you just get a little piece here, you get a little piece here, and then you just kind of put that trail together behind you and, and hopefully somebody will follow that. Or we can get a guest on that resonates with somebody or, or they have an op- they have a solution that can to help with the issue that they're working on. And if those two folks can meet, fantastic. And we're just going to keep going about this. I mean, the, the nice thing is that over the last year, we've been able to identify a few themes. So we've been able to consolidate our, our mission down. I'm actually looking to consolidate even further uh, of what our focus is going to be. So we're just tackling a few key issues and trying to get the people on to have some of those answers. Cause there's no, you know, there's no equation, like there's no, like, there's no the answer. There's just a lot of answers that people are all going to end up working in concert and finding the right people that can marshal the resources and the manpower and women power to get behind this and try to line all these people up and then try to bring up an entire new generation of kids and young folks to appreciate and, and really get a, a, a healthy understanding of, you know, what a really serious situation we're looking at, uh, you know, pretty much tomorrow if we don't address this. So all we can do is just offer ourselves up as vessels, but it's been a hell of a ride. And I, I, I love every single episode that we record and I love every single conversation that we have. Yeah. And, you know, to your point r- regarding the, your, your backgrounds, not in skill trades, I think that that's really, really important that we have different voices from every different avenue because, yeah. As a, my family are a bunch of educators as well. And then there's me, you know, I don't know how that shook out, but uh, I've got a lot of educational. You're a uh, second gen HVAC guy. So you still get a little blue collar in you. I've got a lot of blue collar. <laughs> I'm saying my family other than me are educators, yeah. but you guys that haven't been, you know, on the rooftop or in the boiler room, also have a different appreciation for the trades because you need stuff done that you don't do. And I think if you've got people that are doing the tasking that know there's a problem, you got people that are utilizing the tasking, knowing that there's a problem. Now we're starting to get to a common, uh, at least a common thought of we, we've got to figure this out. Um, and we, to your point, you know, tomorrow is probably not soon enough. So we, we have to keep going. We have to keep pushing. Um, and I I was telling a guy yesterday, I had lunch with a a friend and former coworker. Um, I'm an industry guy, you know, I'm not interested right now in what color shirt you have on, you know, you can be any contractor, any flavor, any trade. My job is to help promote the trades in general. Mm-hmm. Now, my job that I do every day is for a, you know, a large company that holds mechanical contractors. And obviously I want us to do well, but if the trades are doing well in general, then we're going to do well. Uh, so it's kind of like you do one, you get the other. Uh, they kind of go hand in hand. So I'm, I'm, again, all about the industry and less about the uniform color. Yeah. I mean, it's a rising tides analogy. So if, if, if somebody's having a good experience, that's going to rub off to somebody else. And, and 
again, our whole thing is I don't care who you are. If you're looking to make a difference in this world through, through the skilled trades, I mean, you're only helping everyone else out. So, cause I mean, there's a mass shortage. Like, I mean, we've seen stats every day. I mean, you see all my stuff on LinkedIn. I see your stuff on LinkedIn and the numbers are just nightmarish. And it, it seems to be almost wholly ignored on the front page of, of just the, the mainstream news. And you're like, I don't know what else we need to do to get people's attention on this one. So I'm just going to do my work, uh, you know, behind the scenes or under the radar. So if, if that's what it is and, and, and hopefully get somebody's attention that can make a difference on that one. I mean, we got really, really fortunate recently where we had the uh, deputy minister of labor and immigration from Ontario, come on, Monty McNaughton. And you know, we, we talk about, I, I was listening to your Plumber Page episode and she was like, you know, I'm really, you know, I got a lot of gigs in Ontario. And I'm like, well, that's because Ontario was crushing it when it comes to promoting and, and, and advocating and putting the resources behind that. And it was very intentional getting uh, Minister McNaughton on because he's somebody that has just taken lead and just being like, we're going to throw everything at this. And I'm not trying to call, you know, our folks down here in the U.S. out on this one. I'm hoping that they can, you know, somebody can listen to that or Mel, Miguel Cardona can listen to that and be like, you know what, maybe we need to get on inside the trades or, you know, straight out of Crumpton and offer up what we're doing. And, and then we can highlight that for them. Um, but when you see somebody that's doing that work and they actually have a tangible plan, a strategy, and they're seeing those results on that one get them on my show because I want that story told stat and I want everyone to hear that. And same thing coming on here and, 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 you know, opening the door for you to come on our show too. I mean, these are the things that we just need to keep talking about. Well, you're, you're spot on with, with what's going on, uh, you know, Ontario specifically and across Canada in general, Yeah, uh, they do. And, and, you know, of our nearly 100 episodes, I don't know, probably 15% of those have been Canadians uh, because yeah. I, I connect with Canadians because they're talking about this subject. And, yeah. you know, uh, I would love to have more uh, U.S. conversations. And, we, and, and you know, we, obviously we do. But to your point, yeah. they do have a definitive plan. Uh, they're making uh, the career trade choice available in high school again uh starting in the 11th grade you can decide to go uh, trades career or education career or, or traditional career rather so i think those things are really really important because you're what you're doing is creating awareness around what used to be the dinner table maybe it's you know over around the ipad now but you're giving families the opportunity to talk um you're giving people the ability to to make a choice rather than just assume that I have to go to college or university. Yeah. And, and, you know, we always say, Hey, we're, we're not uh, pro college. We're pro college for the right people. We're pro trades for the right people. There's plenty. We don't have to, uh, you know, be divisional in our thought process. This is good for everyone. Um, you know, we're sitting here talking about this. You two are college graduates. I'm not, but it works. And that's what we all have to keep in mind that it, it, the, the composition of our society is always going to be a mixture. We, we just shouldn't have one 
that is viewed superior over the other. They should be equal routes, you know, to prosperity. And, and there are prosperity routes in many, many ways to get educated and to earn a living. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge, huge messaging opportunity behind all of that. And the trades are ripe to be able to, to, to take charge in that. You know what, though? I mean, I've been thinking about this one recently, and I was happy to see there was a recent article that Auburn is instituting. I think it was construction management, but they were int- instituting a welding program or a welding major through Auburn. And I think it was through their construction trades um, school. So, you know, apologies for not having all the specifics, but Auburn is doing that. And then you've got the Williamson College of the Trades in, in, uh, in, in Pennsylvania, too. So... I have no problem if you want to weave a trades or, or a CTE program in a university and give the kids a, 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 a full college experience and get the hands-on learning. I don't care how you do it. I'm, I'm pro-education. Whatever is going to make you learn, whatever is going to help you become a well-rounded individual, go for it. I was looking at my niece, girl, I'm, I'm a UMass Amherst alum, um, and my, my niece is going there, and I saw her... Instagram feed um, a couple months ago, and there's a huge blowout. Every year they have the Blarney blowout and uh, St. Patrick's Day. And everybody was just, you know, they're all liquored up. But it was just like they were just having so much fun. It was just this collective. So I can't begrudge that because that was my experience. Five years, and I majored in partying and pocket billiards. <laughs> and But I still took a ton out of school, whether it be – Developing friendships, understanding how to talk to people, understanding how to just navigate the morass of bureaucracy. There are so many valuable things that exist outside the classroom that I do find is valuable for kids to be able to experience. It doesn't have to be for everyone. Yes. But at the same time, if there's a way that we can weave in hands-on learning or any of the trades and and give kids the experience and being able to leave home and learn how to mature on their own and develop their own ecosystem and networks of of peer friendships and still do all of that, then do it. Throw kajillions of dollars at that. And I am 100% behind that. Because if that's something that's going to get more people in the trades, then then, then let's do it. Because college is fun. Like, like, I don't like that's should not be lost on anyone. College is a ton of fun. And that will always win the marketing and messaging war over somebody swinging a hammer at 18 years old being like, well, I'm making six figures at 21 years old. And then you get a shot of your friends on Instagram just having an absolute blast. And you're like, oh, am I missing something out over there? So I, I think that there's a lot to be boil you know woven into this and and with college really going through an identity crisis on just the traditional socratic method all that other stuff that has been going on forever there's a huge opportunity for them to be able to weave these programs in especially programs that have some sort of technical tie-in expand that allocate your allocate your endowment fund to that you know really just take charge in doing that because there is just a world of room for you to be able to tap into and open up the avenues wider. Great message. A lot of, a lot of points in there. Um, so I, I think what I'm trying to get at is when, when you talk about college being fun and, and the party scene and all that stuff, you totally don't know that lifestyle just because sure. I didn't experience it. Gabby, what can you back I- me up on that one? Yeah. Okay. You went to a nunnery. <laughs> I've said. Gabby went to a nunnery. 
<laughs> no, I I went to Texas A and M, which is very much in Texas. Yeah, so cult school because of how many traditions and weird activities they have. Well, plus you got tailgating too. That's an entire. I mean, Auntie Max, and you know the whole the the joke all five years was we're tailgating and we're standing right next to the stadium. And it was like, anybody going to the game? And we just chuckled and be like, what do you mean? What game? And then we just <laughs> nope. go. And, yeah, exactly. So at least you had it. So anyway, Greg, sorry to step on your point. No, I, I get it. I'm, I'm good with it. I think my point when I was listening to you was socially young people have changed in that when I was 18 and swinging a hammer, my goal was to buy a home and to buy property and to buy vehicles and these these lists of uh, obtainable because I had a career uh, things that helped me get to where I wanted to get to in life. Things have shifted now. And we've talked about this on the show before. Gabby doesn't sit around and think about how to buy her first house often. She may, but not often. I think that the the generational shift as we move from from x to y to millennial to now alpha yeah we're we're not thinking about those same things any longer as often you know sure there's an 18 year old out there that wants to buy 40 acres and have a baby farm which was my dream um but that's the minority young lady now thinking that way as opposed to more of the traditional way young people are living I think that plays into what you were saying. Um, it gives us the ability to showcase you can do both. You can live like you want to live as a young adult. And to your point, if, if the, this Auburn uh, program or, or a similar program is a route to get you there, then we all win. You know, you're getting the experience. I could not agree with you any more than what college does for people in uh, so far as their social development, as far as their communication skills, um, which we don't do a good job of in the skilled trades uh, or, or traditionally have it because we don't talk about things as often in the classroom at apprenticeship school, like different forms of communication how important it is to look at somebody in the eye when you're talking to them and you're telling them what's wrong with their, you know, hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment. They want a professional representation of the company that's there to solve it, to communicate back, give, giving them feedback in real time in a professional manner, uh, not slouched down looking at the tops of their shoes. So, there, there's that difference in the in the social development of young folks, um, which I think could be partly eradicated by a more traditional education. And while we're doing more of that in the in the skilled trades development, you know, we our company we spend a lot of time uh, talking about uh, soft skills and how to make those. Uh, I guess more available or more often thought of for our technicians, you know, don't just think about the equipment. Yes, it's important, but you also have to figure out how to communicate well uh, about the equipment or 
with the property manager about everything that you're doing on their on their site. So uh, good good points you made. Um, and then I wanted to flip back over. When I was in high school, I went to a, a program. It, it was some type of vocational program uh, where I went to high school half a day and technical school half a day. And that's where I learned how to do welding and metalworking. Um, that really showed me an early way of doing things differently as well. So I think anytime we can change the game uh, and give people a different view of what the opportunities are, yeah. you know, if it hadn't been for that program, I don't know what would have happened to me um, because I did not want to be in school until I found out what I needed to learn. And once I figured out my little vein, which was welding and metalworking and what have you, I couldn't get enough classroom. But I'll be damned if I yeah. wanted to sit in a literature class and read about Macbeth back in the day. So um, <laughs> different styles of learning for different folks. Yeah, I mean, there's a complementary piece to that that is very helpful in, in terms of the hands-on learning complements the, the, the classroom learning and then vice versa. So Northeastern University, I was there for about eight years. Their big, their thing is the co-op program. Students go freshman year, it's all academic. And then sophomore year, they split the class in half. And then one goes into class for a little while longer. And then the other ones go out on co-op for six months. So for six months, kids go out at, 19, 20 years old, and they're working at the respective companies that they're co-oping at. And then they come back and then they go out again another year. And the kids that would come back from co-op, you could just see the maturity. Like it's evident. They just, there was more polish to them. They just, there's, they were a little bit more confident. They just had a little bit more of that professional edge to them. So obviously these things are working out. And at the same time, they're like, you know what? I learned more in one week in co-op than I did my entire first year of college. But at the same time, you could see that they were predisposed to learning faster and quicker and more efficiently when they were back in the classroom. So by the time they wanted again for their second or third co-ops, they are reinforcing this education or they're able to be more selective or hone their coursework to complement what it is that they're looking to do or look where they're looking to pursue or move away from what they initially thought they wanted to get into, had six months of doing that and like, you know what, I'm going to move in another direction. So those are the things that I think need to exist everywhere. The, it's the hands-on piece of this, whether it be academic on the business setting or academic to the trade setting, having that hands-on and that practical component is just, it is a critical, critical thing to give anybody the edge and help them inform, like create much more informed decisions about what they want to do in life earlier on. So by the time they come out and they are saddled with that debt, they either have some tangible skills that they've developed over the last four or five years, or they have a better understanding and that maturity where they can ascend into leadership positions a lot quicker. Yeah. Thinking about uh, when, when you mentioned the word co-op, there's a couple of people that pop in my mind. Uh, I worked for mechanical contractors early in my life that utilized co-ops from Georgia Tech. And um, one of those guys 
is, is still a dear friend of mine. Um, we worked together way back in 1988 when he was a co-op at a company I was working for. Um, and I remember seeing him, they did a quarterly or, or semester rotation. So they were semester co-op, semester class. Yeah. And um, it was fun watching him now that I think about it, him develop his skills into, and he was doing mechanical engineering was his course of study. Um, and um, watching his growth and how he went from barely knowing how to draw, you know, mechanical drawing uh, back when we used uh, these weird things right here, a mechanical pencil um, into CAD development and, you know, everything we're doing now as far as almost 4D uh, engineering. But watching his progression, uh, I really think that co-op program uh, was effective for him, for sure. And then I flipped back over a couple of weeks ago, uh, Gabby and I hosted uh, a young man on here named Josh George. And uh, Josh is my nephew by marriage. Uh, so I'm I am a little bit biased uh, in in that I give him a more hard time than I do a regular person uh, <laughs> because he's a really smart young man. But when he was getting out of high school, we brought him on to do these ride along programs with our service technicians to make sure that was something he thought he wanted to do long term was to go get an education in HVAC. So. I think the more that we can expose people to what we're going to do, whether it be you know, a freaking uh, medical doctor or an air conditioning doctor, um, that that early exposure, that day in the life, week in the life, month in the life, semester in the life, to give people an inside view as to what you're really getting into. Because to your point, Derek, I, I think there are a lot of people who go to school regardless of its technical or traditional university, they get out of school, they get a job, and they've never done what they're about to do. So they've committed to a major at an early age before they knew what the hell they were doing because they weren't mature enough to think it through. Mm -hmm. uh, or while they were in four years of school, life changed uh, theoretically in that, in that vertical market, maybe what they wanted to study is no longer relevant or whatever. But here they join a company, you know, pick an acronym. They join the company, they walk in day one, and they have no idea what they're about to do. That would be really, really scary, I would think, for a young person, freshly minted certificate hanging on the wall in whatever with no practical experience. Yeah, absolutely. And that's if you are a college kid, or if you are the parent of a college kid, I don't care what your major is. I mean, I, I want to know how many times you've hit the career center and how many industry folks you've talked to on that first semester or the, the, the first year and what you're doing to sharpen your hands on skills. Because if you're just going into the classroom and thinking something was going to magically manifest itself through osmosis after four years, it is going to be a sad discovery for you. So as a parent, make sure that you're having the conversations about how often are you talking to the vocational folks? How often are you talking to your career center? How often are you talking to your professors that have industry contacts? 
get yourself on LinkedIn, like first semester freshman year, you can just lurk, you can just build up a small little network and just lurk and, and follow things. That's okay. Um, but you need to be building all of these hands-on skills and you need to be doing it very early and you need to be reinforcing that all the time because yeah, you, you graduate and you don't have the, either the professional skills, AKA soft skills or some sort of tangible hard skill that you can go in and demonstrate your worth to an employer. Well, it's going to be a tough road to hell. So thinking about that and thinking about the opportunities available uh, in the trades, we should be backing up that conversation to middle school guidance counselors and high school guidance counselors. Keep, keep, keep get, get them in the grade schools. I'm yeah. grade school earlier, the better, right? Yeah. I mean, and I was talking, I was on the disrupt education podcast a few weeks ago. I love those guys because they're really thinking differently about this too. And through my conversations with plumber page and also folks up in Canada and some of the other um, children's book authors that are all trades focused. I mean, they're trying to get these in the hands of little kids and that's what you need to do. You need to be able to introduce these concepts and introduce just the general notion of working with your hands and being able to, to do a, 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 a trades related activity, whether you do it professionally or whether you're just a little bit more handy around the house, doesn't really matter. But if you can tie that, theme and that into the grade schools and just have little pieces of this. Um, they're doing that with the house that she built. My daughters go to a Montessori school and I was talking to the um, head of school about it. And she was like, can you please send the book to us? Because they have a whole theme, Girl Scout badges for, you know, working with your hands um, that they're building into the grade schools. And you don't have to have a full on, you know, uh, metal shop in a grade school. That's expensive and it's impractical. But if you can still do something where kids can work with their hands and understand measuring, understanding how all of these things fit together and have those hands on things. Well, you know, graduate up in middle school and you've got the kids that are more inclined to that. They're going to their wood shops. They're going to the metal shops. They're working with their culinary programs in middle school. That's where I learned, you know, Mr. Crozier's class in eighth grade, TR6, you know, there's Tuesday, Thursday, sixth period. I, I made my uh, napkin holder and, and, you know, I still had it in my mom's house 25 years later. And, and Derek, you still remember it right now. It's, I, I didn't even need to have, I didn't have to, have to think about it, Greg. It was like, so you've got these things that you can build in along the way. And then if you just do the messaging piece of this to be like, Hey, this is a noble venture. This is a noble field. And then you up the stakes even more where you've got not only that, but you can make a ton of money and you go into high school and you've got these things that are reinforced. You've got kids more comfortable working with their hands. They're more comfortable exploring these fields. And then you've got entire school systems, hopefully being able to build the infrastructure and the ecosystem to complement that. So if you have kids that are going to a Vogue school, if you have kids that are going to an ag school or going to a college prep school, you can still have a trades related or CTE type programs that are in each of those vocations or each of those, those areas of focus, send the kids off to school. If they were doing medical technology work in high school, if they're working and doing 3d printing and I mean, it, these things are all come together, but it's the point of like, 
you're getting them comfortable, you're getting them familiar, and you're also building the honor back into that. And then the practical side of that is you get the money that is going to follow that too. At some point, a kid's going to be like, huh, I can go to four years of college or I can buy that truck four years from now and it'll be a lot easier and I can still go back to school and round myself out. So it's just about just presenting these options early and everybody being comfortable with it and just saying, hey, this is all this is good. We have these multiple fields that kids can go in. You've got your military field. You've got your service field. You've got your faith service field. You've got your trades and you've got your college track. So everyone's happy and you've got the pathways to that. And you have the entire community that's building itself around that. Well, I don't know how we could top that rant or ramble. And, and, <laughs> I mean, you said a lot of great stuff there, Derek. And while you were talking, I'm looking out the window and across the street from me, there's a young man that lives there and he has a little nephew who comes to visit and sitting on the front porch right now is a Tonka truck, like a big Tonka truck Oh yeah, that the kid plays with. And I'm thinking he's probably 50 years old too. He got it from his grandfather and the thing's it, it still looks like metal. Yeah. So point being that right there to me is a great sign that, you know, he's got this kid out playing in the dirt with a Tonka truck, a uh, Tonka toy truck. And that is early exposure, you know? Yeah. It, it seems so weird to think about that. We're having to think that deeply about what we're doing, but I think that's a great sign. And, and, you know, to follow up um, all the great points you made in that, in that last little paragraph you were speaking to, there, there's so much to do. Um, and, but we can't, you know, when, when we started talking, I was thinking about, all right, how do you eat an elephant? And it's one bite at a time. And I think that's how we have to approach this entire problem uh, set that's in front of us is you're doing your part. I'm doing my part. Uh, John, whatever his name across the street, he's got two names. I can't ever remember the second part. I call him John. He probably hates me. But, um, you know, everybody's chipping away. And if we can just keep chipping away, um, eventually... Um, hopefully sooner rather than later, we're going to, to have a, bear, a better audience, not a bigger one because we've got the audience now. We're just not, we haven't refined our message well enough yet, I think is what I feel because there's still the stigma that we're working through that it, it's not cool to be a welder. Um, but if that's your art, and there's a young lady, uh, Ray Ripple, who I was just going to, I was just going to bring her up. Yeah. So I saw this weekend where she was doing some some work at a, uh, a, a, a some kind of trade show The 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 art that this woman produces from metal and welding and cutting and plasma torches and all the stuff. That's a whole nother vein you can get into. It, yeah. It's artistry, you know, not yeah. even making stuff that keeps a house functional. But there's so much out there. So um. Well, we're kind of we're kind of uh, getting close to our our magic witching hour, and I see Gabby looking at her watch like she's got somewhere to be. Uh, that, <laughs> my, that's, my imaginary watch. <laughs> that's the Texas A and M coming out in her, I guess. But you know, I I just want to kind of summarize it, Derek, and and you know, as I think through it, just making sure that 
folks realize that this is a hand-to-hand combat moment. You have to do something other than complain about the fact that you don't have anybody working for you or you can't find enough help or whatever, however you want to whine about it or or specifically. It's a one-on-one, hand-to-hand, grab a kid, grab a middle-aged person, grab somebody before they retire and expose them to what we're doing. Because you never know, you know, that six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing of who you're going to tell and then how many folks they get to tell. We can multiply this thing so quickly uh, if we do the, the basic job of telling somebody. Just tell people about the opportunities. You don't have to, you know, know every nuance of every trade, but you can have a conversation you know, maybe you're standing out there at church and, and two guys waiting on their wives to come out. And one guy says, hey, you know, my kid's graduating. She has no idea what she wants to go do. Hey, has she ever thought about the a career in some kind of trade? You know, just just to spark it, because a lot of people simply don't think about it. And you don't have to introduce it from like a macro level. You can just be like, I, I don't know, introduce it from anything that is connected to them, whether it be working with wood or working with metal or working help. I mean, I still think 3d print. I, I started doing 3d printing a few years ago and that in and of itself is just incredibly fascinating because there's a technical component on that, but you also have the tangible thing that you're getting as a result of that. So you can just start on a micro level and, you know, I mean, think about how many people were doing pinewood derbies when they were kids or just (laughs) any of these simple wood, you know, just these simple hands-on tool exercises that you can do with your kids. It's not that hard. And we don't have to tackle the entire thing at one time. I mean, there's people, the entire force is there that just people just need to, we have to figure out how to marshal the people together to be able to get the information avenues out to the right people. We've got so many advocates for kids on the, the children's authors and then the, the educators and the, and, you know, if we can get the industry people thinking about how they can refine their messaging and get their messaging to, to, to tap into what really incentivizes kids. Well, you know, they've got us out there. So tap into us and, 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 and tap into Gabby and, and her knowledge of <laughs> you, you've been privy to all these conversations. So I'm sure yeah. you have a ton of stuff to share Gabby in your world. Yeah. I'm buying Gabby a welding hood for Christmas. You're definitely Ray Ripple's a badass. I reached out to her and, and hopefully, you know, she's listening, Ray, we, you're always welcome on the show, but she's a badass, man. I mean, just doing standing up on her bike and just, yeah, she just makes some incredible stuff. And and we need so many more examples of her out there to incentivize kids. Barbie the welder, she's getting it done. So just all kinds of all kinds of people out there that, yeah. that are, are showcasing uh, what a what a career can look like. So. Yeah, amen. Well, Derek, uh, really want to say thank you for taking time this morning with us and joining um, you know, between your kids and my dog. Uh, we've made quite a, a, a fun uh, episode <laughs> my poodle was howling when one of your kids was talking so it's pretty funny for me to enjoy the uh backdrops that we have which, which you know what that that's what's so cool to me about podcasting is this is live man you know this is not yeah, really some, is. unvarnished some, yeah and that's that's how i live uh, i'm i'm unvarnished and, and aged and weathered and all that good stuff so. <laughs> but i really do appreciate you taking time uh 
Love learning about what you're doing, 3805, the, the backstory of that. I've got a drone. I've crashed more than one time, so I, I feel the pain there. Yep. Um, tell us where people can find out a little bit more about you and what you guys are doing. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty ubiquitous. So 3805 Productions is our web, is my website. Uh, the link to the podcast inside the trades is on there. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I got a YouTube channel. I'm probably most active on LinkedIn on the professional side. Uh, and a lot of my fun stuff is on my Instagram account. I've been doing a lot of, I've got a big client that does harness racing. So that's oh, been, cool. yeah, it has been an incredible experience over the last year so you see a lot of that in there but yeah it's uh 3805 productions uh is where you can find me and and you know questions or or if you're looking a guest on the show or if you have a show and you're looking to have a conversation always happy to talk because I, I love talking this stuff and i appreciate you having me on today no it's been fun i i, I just love getting like-minded people with different avenues on to yeah. talk about it because we all have our different way of pushing the message, you know? I mean, yours is from yeah. an education viewpoint. Mine's from uh, having lived behind the windshield of a service truck for many years. I mean, it's just a, a good way to to get more voices talking about the same topic. So, well, thank you again. Gabby, why don't you put a beautiful spin and finish on <laughs> this puppy? <laughs> Well, as Greg said, Derek, it's been great e-meeting you. Greg, as always, it is great talking with you as well. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts for more episodes like this. And don't forget to check out gregcrumpton.com for all of your Greg Crumpton content. Which could be scary for other people. <laughs> <laughs>